listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. All right, so you can see uh, the World Economic Forum predicting eight things for the year 2030. If you're not aware of that, that's called Agenda 2030. And um, it's actually pretty mind-blowing to me that they're willing to just put things like that out and um, not even trying to hide their plans anymore. You notice that first one, you'll, you'll not own anything. You'll just rent everything. Um, <clears throat> I'll say one that really uh, got me going. You'll eat much less meat or beef. Let me tell you something. That will never be my story in Jesus' name. <laughs> I will never be out of meat or beef. In fact, quick testimony for you. Uh, I don't know if you saw, we posted the picture Um, with Mike and Bobby Swinney from Montana, but the Miracle Word Heard is growing. Miracle Word Heard. And uh, we went from having the one cow that you heard the testimony about. Carolyn was confessing, wanting a a cow, and they sowed that cow. Now, uh, by the spring, the herd is about to grow to five cows. We went from one to five. And so... I'm very excited about that. We're going to go from 5 to 10, from 10 to 20, from 20 to 40. Uh, It's going to keep growing. And um, whatever the devil says you can't do, do more of it. Whatever the devil says you cannot do, do more of it. And so Miracle Word Heard is growing. And our brand, if you didn't hear the testimony, um, that's a good one. I like that, Caitlin. We probably will do that. Um, If you didn't hear about it, our our cattle brand was approved by the state of Montana uh, months ago. And so now in the spring, the cattle will be branded with the Miracle Word brand coming up. And uh, the herd's just going to keep on growing. I want to say again, a big thank you. And we love you to uh, Mike and Bobby Swinney that are out there in in, uh, Montana that are uh, helping us out with the Miracle Word herd. And uh, they sowed generously and uh, answered prayers. So It's awesome. Can't wait to see what happens. God keeps increasing it. So it's awesome. We're not going to be out of beef in Jesus' name. We will not be out of beef in Jesus' name. If the devil says no beef, I'm going to eat so much meat, I will have constant meat sweats until Jesus comes. I am not stopping. Yeah, Rancher Ted, it's really more, Carolyn's got the hat, the boots, the belt. Carolyn is really like a, 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 she's her own rancher now. Can't even believe it. She's going to have her own ranch. Carolyn's going to ride around in boots and a belt. And she got, oh, she just got a rope. So, a lasso. So I'm going to start behaving at home so that I don't get, <laughs> so that I don't get lassoed. Um, AJ's posing the question in the comments, what's greater, being a part of the Miracle Word tribe or the Miracle Word herd? <laughs> We're going to have to find out as the future goes. Anyway, you can see they're not even trying to hide these things anymore. The Antichrist agenda being right out in public, pushing it out in front of your face. And um, I feel like even in the past three years, the devil has overplayed his hand a couple of times. And people push back. I mean, even people that weren't saved pushed back on uh, what's going on in America and around the world. So I think that I personally believe that the devil 
uh, overestimated uh, the wickedness of people. And, and people that weren't even Christians began to push back on what's going on. You've seen it. And I believe that's because there's a praying church in the earth, obviously. Uh, the devil can't take total control of this earth. The Antichrist spirit can't take total control of this earth until the church is gone. And, um, you know, as you've seen, we've had uh, a few things take place over the last two to three years. You saw massive pushback. You saw as they were uh, trying to shut our country and other countries down, mass. I mean, have you seen the crowds in the streets uh, in, in not just in our country, in other countries, people protesting, people standing up for freedom, um, just not being controlled by the government. Um, I think, I mean, I could get into this in, in another direction, and that's a whole other broadcast, but if you look at what's going on, <clears throat> not only in America, but around the world, you can see clearly that even people who have a natural cons- conscience, which is dead in trespasses and sins, the Bible says, that's what's mind-blowing about it, is that people uh, as a whole do not like to be controlled. They don't like to be controlled. So whether they're saved or unsaved, the natural tendency of humanity is to be free, not to be controlled, but to be free. We're created to be free. Um, And so even those that are not Christians, standing up, pushing back against this antichrist, manipulative, controlling agenda. And so um, it's an interesting thing for me to watch uh, over these last few years. That people, I mean, remember the guy that, that just continued, they kept trying to shut his gym down. And, and you know, he wasn't, he wasn't saved to my knowledge. I don't think he's a Christian, as you could tell, but just desire to be free. And um, the devil overplayed his hand. And he, he actually, if you think about it, <clears throat> not only is the devil already defeated by Christ and the church has victory over the devil, but you start to realize that um, when people get this, One of the most dangerous things you can do is push people too far, which I believe is something that happened over these last two to three years. People felt they were pushed too far and their freedoms were being stolen from them and people started standing up like they never have. Um, Now, in the opinion of some, not fast enough, not strong enough, but as you can see, um, the things that they wanted to do and tried to do, I'll give you an example. As these cities were being completely shut down and destroyed, I mean destroyed, Cities in America were being destroyed. Businesses shut down, restaurants shut down, uh, looting, robbing. I mean, I thought for sure, I said to Carolyn, I thought for sure these massive cities, the bigger cities in America, that it would take decades to get them back. And I'm talking like New York City, others, Boston. I thought, man, it's going to take decades. They've destroyed these cities. Well, we just went back to uh, New York City just a few weeks ago. Everything totally back to normal. Um, businesses open, no vaccines required, no masks required, everything totally back to normal. And um, even the plans the devil had to destroy America and to destroy other nations of the world uh, have not succeeded and cannot succeed until the church is gone. The church has authority. That's something that we need to remember. And if you're jumping on with me, put it in the comments. The church has authority. That's something you need to write in the comments, write in your notes. The church has authority. And Jesus made it very clear that he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. The gates of hell would not 
prevail against what? The church that Jesus is building. He's still building the church. And so the church has authority. We're not um, being controlled by the spirit of this world. The Bible's very clear about that. That 1 John 4, 4, that the spirit of Antichrist has gone out into the world. But we've already overcome the spirit of Antichrist. For greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. And so we're not controlled by the spirit of Antichrist. We have control over the spirit of Antichrist. The church has authority. And so in these uh, last days, and we are, and in fact, if you're not aware of this, the last days began on the day of Pentecost, 2,000 years ago. The last days began. Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and he said, this is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Well, what was happening on the day of Pentecost? The spirit of God was being poured out on all flesh, the thing Joel prophesied. And so Peter said, what you're seeing happen right now is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit, God said. So <clears throat> the, the last days truly began on the day of Pentecost. And so, of course, we're living in the last of the last days. Jesus is coming soon. We believe that. We live with an expectation uh, with, with an, that he's going to imminently return, that he's coming at any moment. That's how we live. But as we're living that way, we know that Bible prophecy is going to continue to be fulfilled. Now, the next major event we believe in Bible prophecy is the rapture of the church. But until we get to the rapture of the church, as you know, the things in the world are going to get worse and worse for the world, not for the believer, for the world. Now, of course, there's persecution. There's always been persecution for believers. But I'm talking about for those that are not saved. Things are getting more and more perverse. Things are getting more and more wicked. Things are getting more and more uh, violent. Things are getting more and more corrupt. Jesus prophesied these things. But <clears throat> I want to show you some things that were prophesied about the last days. Four warnings that we can use from Scripture to prepare ourselves for the final moments of time. And I want to start with 2 Timothy chapter 3, if you have your Bible. And a big thank you to everybody that's putting the... Um, these things in the comments because it really helps people and it it's, keeps me from having to keep uh, referencing over and over what scripture I'm in. So thank you on Facebook. Thank you on YouTube for putting the references into the comments section. Appreciate it. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 1 through 5. That's what we're going to read to start. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 1 through 5. The Bible says... <clears throat> But understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. This is the Apostle Paul prophesying. In the last days, there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power, 
avoid such people. So there's the first warning about the last days. I'm going to give you three things that are the answer to that prophecy that I just read you. Three things that if you'll put these down, and then we'll move on to the next warning, but I'm going to give you a checklist that's going to help you uh, to avoid all of these warnings that uh, the New Testament's giving us regarding the last days. And so, I mean, look at the, how many things we just read, right? Lovers of themselves, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to the parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having an appearance of godliness, denying its power. That's a, that's a bunch of things. But I'm going to give you three that will keep you from all of those things. Three that will keep you from all of those things. And put them in the comments. You can put these down as a checklist for yourself in the final moments of time. Number one, number one is humility. That's the first thing. Humility. Keep yourself in a place of humility. Meekness. That's the opposite of pride. And it takes the Holy Spirit to stay in humility without question. It takes the Holy Spirit to stay in humility. One of the things that's funny to me, people accuse me all the time on YouTube. I'll get comments all the time. Looks like you're full of pride, brother, the way you talk. There's a difference between being confident, passionate, and dynamic and being full of pride. I speak in a very dynamic way and in a confident way. doesn't mean I'm full of pride. I just know what the Word of God says. There's a difference between being confident and dynamic and, you know, secure in what you're saying because you know the Bible and being full of pride. You can be humble and bold at the same time. Let me help you with this. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is not weakness. So you can be uh, humble and also bold. You can be humble, meek, and also confident. They're not, uh, they're not opposites. And so people will jump on because they hear me, I'm, you know, th- that I'm very passionate about what I'm speaking about. I'm, you know, I'm bold about it. I'm assertive about it. But it doesn't mean I'm prideful. It means that I know what the Word of God says. I'm, I'm, very, I'm, I'm humble. I can be taught. Uh, I have people that speak into my life. I have people that are able to correct me. I have people that can uh, change the direction of what I'm saying or, you know what I mean? So it's not that I'm proud, it's that I'm bold. It's that I'm bold. And so you can be humble and bold. You can, and you should be, actually, humble and bold. But keeping yourself in humility is number one. Because if you look back through that list, um, humility, if you, even the first one, lovers of themselves, self-love. You know, we talk about self-love, it's, it's, a, it's something that's said a lot in our generation. And there's a difference between taking care of yourself, right? Caring for yourself and being arrogant or proud. You know, oh, I love myself. There's a difference between getting into arrogance and pride and taking care of yourself, taking care of your spirit, your mind, and the temple of the Holy Spirit, your body. Big difference between those things. But notice if you stay humble, you'll not become a lover of self. Uh, proud or arrogant, you'll not become those things with humility, right? And so you can look through these, this list and see that humility will keep you from multiple of these things. Um, 
Aaron said, humility is just not putting any confidence in the flesh. Humility, being humble, truly, if I could give you what I believe the most accurate definition of humility, it is recognizing that God's ways are higher than your ways. And if you need a scripture reference for that, I, I, would, I would use Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, where God speaks and says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So God letting us know he's infinite, we're finite. His, his ways, his thoughts are much higher than ours. That's why when we submit ourselves to God's ways and his thoughts, that's the word of God, then we are humbling ourselves before God. Because what are we saying? Not my way, your way. Not my will, but your will. That's true humility. Understanding that God's ways are better, higher, more efficient, and surrendering ourselves to the plan of God. That's true humility, without question. Is saying, I'm not going to live like I want to live. I'm going to live like the Word of God tells me to live because His ways are higher than mine. So humility is obeying the Word of God above all else. That's what it is. It is obeying, many times people think, when you talk about humility, sometimes people think of false humility. You know, somebody gives you a compliment, oh brother, I don't know about that. I, that's, that's false humility. It's okay to be confident in who God says you are. It's okay to be confident in what he's called you to be. It's all right to say thank you if someone gives you a compliment. It doesn't mean you're stealing God's glory. You know, I get, you know it's, it's so funny. People, you go up and try to give them a compliment and they do everything they can to like give you a rebuttal on the compliments. Like, you know, <laughs> it's funny. A lot in church happens too. You're like, man, you did a really great job. That All glory to him. You know, uh, he gets all the glory. I get none of the praise. It's like, bro, I get it. I'm not praising you, not worshiping you. I'm just telling you you did a great job. Just say thank you and move on. Just say thank We know God gets the glory. I'm not stealing his glory to transfer it to you so you can be eaten from the inside out like King Agrippa. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just saying good job. Just be a normal person and say thank you. And, uh, and so it's false humility. It's just false humility. Um, but true humility submits to God's that's AJ. Brother, I'm just a tool in the master's hand. <laughs> True humility. <laughs> That's good. Um, True humility submits to the word of God. Number two, gratefulness. Gratefulness. That'll keep you from these, <laughs> from these, uh, prophecies about the last days. Number one, humility, but number two, gratefulness. What do I, what do I mean? Well, look at, look at some of these things. Um, ungrateful, unappeasable, right? Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. So you, you understand gratefulness, being grateful, being a thankful, grateful person will keep you from some of these uh, things prophesied about the last days, humility and gratefulness. Got to be thankful. You know, one of the things that I see, uh, especially in my generation and those younger than me, is that people have a sense of entitlement. Maybe you've caught this. People have a sense of an entitlement. They're not thankful for what they have. 
they always believe the, the world should be giving me more. You know, even without doing any work, even without doing, putting any diligence or dedication in, right? And so you sit there and think, what, what in the world? They haven't even done anything yet and expect the world to give them everything. And that just fully uh, entitled and not only that, ungrateful for what they already do have. You know, I've never seen uh, the level of complaining that I do now in this generation when I wish people would travel because if people would travel to other places, to other nations even, and understand how good they truly have it. You know, there's very, very few. When I say very few, I mean like very few people in the United States of America or Canada that understand true poverty, that understand true poverty. Uh, Because true poverty, I'm talking about abject poverty, for the most part, does not exist in North America. Uh, I'm talking about Canada, United States. The reason being, we have so many things available for people that if they don't take advantage of it, it's their own fault. But there are so many things available that in other nations are just simply not available. And I've never seen such ungratefulness or uh, the amount of complaining that I see in this generation. People should travel and see how people are living in other nations and understand that you're not, you know, even what we call poverty in the United States, other nations would call wealth. Other nations would call wealth because there is an abundance in this country. There's an abundance in Canada. There's an abundance in the United States and other nations too. And you should see, and if people truly understood how blessed they are, they would be thanking God every day. They'd be thanking God every single day uh, that they live and lifting their hands and giving God praise for his goodness in their life. We're truly blessed. And so being grateful will help us to avoid these other prophecies. Now, the third thing in this section of of scripture is self-controlled self-controlled. That's the third thing that we look at what Paul said here. If we just apply those three little things to our lives, which have huge effects, right? Humility, gratefulness, self-control. Humility, gratefulness, self-control. That's number three, self-control. Look at this again. Lovers of self, humility fixes that. Lovers of money, humility and gratefulness fixes that. Proud, humility fixes it. Arrogant, humility fixes it. Abusive, self-control fixes it. Disobedient to their parents, self-control fixes it. Ungrateful, gratefulness fixes it. Unholy, self-control fixes it. Heartless, that's that's a combination of humility and self-control. Unappeasable, self-control. Slanderous, self-control. Without self-control, self-control. <laughs> Brutal. You know, one of the things that I feel like if people would understand this, one of the things that humility does for you is it gives you a, a love for other people. When it stops being all about you, you start to recognize that there are others in need, that there are others that actually you are called to affect them with your life, with your anointing that humility will actually put the focus off of you and onto those that are in need of what you have. Pride always puts the focus on me, me, me. Humility begins to put the focus on others. Amen. 
You go through these, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. These three things will keep you from all of what Paul prophesied in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Just three elements. Just three elements. Humility, gratefulness, self-control. Let's go on to the next one. That's, not, that's the first element in the checklist. And I gave you three that will keep you from that prophecy. Now let's go one chapter over to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul starts prophesying again. Prophesying again. Listen to verses 1 through 4. Now we're in 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 4. Listen, listen to this one. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Well, why? Why is that command coming to us? Here's why, verses three and four. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. We're living in that day right now, by the way. But let me just, let me give you that again. He said, people will not endure sound teaching. That word, that Greek word for sound actually is the word healthy. They will not endure healthy teaching. This is all over the place today, all over the place. And I do my best on the broadcast to, uh, to correct some of these things, to combat some of these things so that you're not falling into these, uh, what I would call some of them doctrines of devils, but sound or healthy teaching. So what can you do to stay free from this prophecy about the last days? What can you do to keep yourself protected from what Paul's talking about in the fourth chapter? Well, um, three more things that I'll give you that'll help you to stay free from this area right here that Paul's prophesying about. Number one, if people won't endure sound doctrine, then we should seek out sound doctrine. That's what we should do. If people won't endure it, if they're avoiding it, then we should seek it out, which means that there is healthy doctrine. That's why we're doing Bible study made simple to teach you how to properly study the Bible. You see it on the screen, bible.miracleword.com. We're getting ready to open the course up again, uh, coming up in just a few weeks. And if you want to be a part of it, go to that website, sign up to be on the wait list. We'll let you know as soon as the course opens. Why are we doing that? To teach people how to properly study the scripture so that they can know what sound or healthy doctrine actually is. So they don't fall into some of these crazy things that are being taught in these, in these last moments of time. Crazy things that are being taught. And so, uh, number one, seek sound doctrine. Seek sound Seek it out. Know what it is. Know what you believe about certain things. Know what you believe. That's the reason I do a lot of these broadcasts. You know, we did one recently. Everybody's, uh, you know, we're seeing all these, during the pandemic, these deliverance ministry YouTube channels blew up. Started teaching crazy stuff about deliverance. Casting demons out of Christians. There's no demons in Christians. I actually heard, I, I shared this with you before. There were two preachers. A friend of mine was around two preachers and they were asking each other, uh, that you, could you check me real quick? Could you check, make sure there's no demons in me? I thought I checked and I, I'm pretty sure I didn't see anything, but do an oil check on me. 
and, and make sure I don't have any. Two Holy Ghost filled preachers asking one another to check themselves for demons. Hey, can you check me too? I'll check you, check me. And it's like, you've lost your mind. That's false doctrine. It's not healthy doctrine. That's false doctrine. That's false doctrine. Not anything based on the scripture whatsoever. Whatsoever. Hyper grace, false doctrine. It's destroying lives. So what do we do? We seek healthy doctrine, sound doctrine. What does the Bible actually teach? Versus what are people teaching in these last days? So seek sound doctrine. Number two here, let the word of God correct you. Let the word of God correct you. One of the things that we can see is like a, it's an epidemic in the body of Christ is that people only want to be encouraged and they don't want to be corrected. They only want to be encouraged. They don't want to be corrected. Yeah. <laughs> AJ said, pro tip, don't listen to a minister who isn't sure if they're demon possessed. Absolutely right. Number two, let the word of God correct you. It's an interesting time we're living in where everyone only wants to be encouraged, but not corrected. And that's dangerous. Always need an encouraging, an encouraging. Let me tell you something. If what I can't encourage somebody who's going the, the wrong direction or else I'm encouraging them into destruction. When I was younger, my cousin, Matt, um, used to like to, when he was a real little kid, he used to play car against the wall, pretend he was driving. So he'd go up against the wall when he was, he'd sit down and he'd pretend like he was driving the car um, against the wall of his house. And he'd have like the little steering wheel and all that stuff. Well, one day he actually took one of his parents' keys, like an actual metal key, and went up to the wall to play car and the, the outlet was there. And he put the key into the outlet in the wall and it shot him back. He his arm was like black. It was like it'd been, it, it shot him back off the wall. Well, can you imagine seeing your little kid with a metal key going towards the outlet in the wall and getting ready to put it in and be like, you know what, you're doing so good. I'm so proud of you for realizing that that key would fit in that outlet. You are sharp. Let me tell you something, you are sharp. And you can continue encouraging your child to that direction, but you know what's going to happen? Destruction. And that's what happens uh, in our generation. People only want encouragement. But what if you're not doing the right thing? What if you're headed in the wrong direction? What if there are things in your life that needs to change, that need to change? You, you, don't, need in, you don't need encouragement. You need correction. You need correction. And, and let me say this for, for everybody that's like, uh, you know, so worried about correction. Correction is just direction. Put that in the comments and never forget that. Correction is just direction. That's all it is. Nobody gets mad at their GPS for telling them which way to turn. You don't know me. You're talking to me like that, telling me where to go. Don't tell me where to go. I'll go where I want. Now you put it in because you're trying to get to a place. So when the instruction comes, it's correcting your course, right? Don't stay on this interstate. You're trying to get to this restaurant or to this person's house. Take this exit. Nobody gets mad at their GPS. Ah, you don't tell me to take exit 23. I'll take whatever exit I want. No, it's trying to get you to your destination the quickest way possible. So don't stay on the interstate. I got to correct your course here. Take exit 23. That's a correction. It's a direction. Correction is just direction. God doesn't correct you. The word of God doesn't correct you. Men of God don't correct you because they want to see you fail. They're correcting because they want to see you succeed. 
It's a quickest direction to the blessing of God. Let the word of God correct you. When something goes out, don't be, um, let me give you the third one, don't be offended. The word of God can't correct you if you're always getting offended. And it's one of the things I see so often. And when a correction comes, people get ticked off and they leave the church. I'm going to another church. They just don't understand my anointing at this church. <laughs> you know. And so they're out the door. Why? Because correction came, but they couldn't receive it. Don't be offended. Do everything you can to stay out of offense. Everything in your power to stay out of offense. You know what will help you do that? The first thing I gave you from the last prophecy, humility. So number one, humility. Number two, gratefulness. Number three, self-control. Number four, seek sound doctrine. Number five, let the word correct you. Number six, don't be offended. And you got to do, let me, when I tell you this, this is such a massive thing, you have to do everything in your power to stay out of offense. And that means it's going to take humility and it's going to take self-control to stay out of offense because offense will help you or hurt you. And the, and the Lord's trying to help you with correction and direction and instruction and you cannot get there. Not only that, your faith won't work. If you're offended all the time, bent out of shape, not walking in love, your faith won't even work. Because faith works by love. That's what the Bible teaches. And so if I'm offended all the time, if I'm angry all the time, if I'm bent out of shape all the time, my faith's not going to work and I'm not going to be able to get to where God's called me to go. I have to do everything in my power to stay out of offense. I will not be offended in Jesus' name. And let me tell you, it doesn't mean, just because I'm telling you not to be offended, it doesn't mean that you don't have the right to be offended. And it doesn't even mean that you're not in the right to be offended. Because, the, let me tell you, there are things people will do, and you, you know, you ha, you'd have every right to be offended if you wanted to, because they committed an offense against you. And that's the greatest way I think we could ever look at that. I was listening to a preacher preach about it, and he said, you know, there are actually two actions when it comes to offense. Two actions. The first person commits an offense against you but then the second action you have a choice to become offended or not become offended they may commit an offense but then you decide whether or not to be offended that's a powerful thought because you can't control what other people do you can't control what other people do but you can control what you do. You can control what you do. Tammy says, Pastor Ted, I just listened, scroll back so I can see that. Just listen to a lady who is deep witchcraft. Uh, Jenny Weaver, I believe is her name. She became born again after coming out of the witchcraft and was the praise and worship leader at her church. And a lady at a conference came up to her, said, I need to pray for you. And she prayed over her and the demons talked and came out of her that very day. Are they lying in this testimony? Well, one of two things is true here. Who's that, Tammy? Uh, one of two things is true here, Tammy. Number one, either she was not saved and they were still using her as a praise and worship leader and she was still demon possessed or number two, yes, it's not true that th those weren't demons coming out of her. I've seen videos of these that people post on these deliverance channels and you can tell by even watching it. It's not a demon, it's the person like fleshly manifesting. It's their flesh, it's their own flesh. And some of them are playing along you know, I'm just being very honest with you. I've been around demon-possessed people. I've cast demons out of people. 
I can discern the difference between actual demon possession and somebody's flesh. And uh, sometimes it's just flesh. But it's not scriptural. And I've done broadcasts on that. It is not scriptural for a Christian to be possessed by a demon. It's not anywhere in the New Testament. After the resurrection of Christ, you'll not find it anywhere. Not once. You'll never find a Christian being delivered of a demon. Having a demon cast out of them. You'll not find it anywhere in the New Testament. Not anywhere. So the answer is yes. They're either lying or that woman was not saved and she did have demons. It's one of the two. And so you have to have uh, an action plan against offense. Because let me tell you, and by the way, raise your hand in the comments if you've ever had somebody commit an offense against you. (laughs) Put your hand up if you've been in that position where somebody has done something they shouldn't have done, said something they shouldn't have said, right? Um, Very, very common, especially in the body of Christ. It's It's common. Of course you have. Abel says, what about backsliders? Jesus said demons come back seven times worse. Yes, I believe if you leave the faith, because of course, as a Pentecostal charismatic, I believe that you can lose your salvation. I believe the Bible teaches it. I believe the apostles taught it. Um, We've covered that as well. But yes, if you are no longer in a salvation covenant, then you go back to the uh, default position of being an unbeliever, dead in trespasses and sins, right? And so now you have the opportunity once again to be possessed by a demon. Constance says Christians can't be demon pissed, but they can be influenced by them. I think she means possessed, but uh, they can be influenced. They can be oppressed, Constance. They can be oppressed. There's, there's oppression, but that's from the outside. Not, they don't live in you. They don't dwell in you, right? And so here we have to remember, I cannot become offended. Yes, all the hands are going up. You've been, you've had an offense committed against you, but that you, you don't, you don't have to become offended though. There's an offense. People will do things they shouldn't have done, say things they shouldn't have said, talk about you behind your back, whatever. They get into the flesh. They're not walking in love. The Bible tells us to make room for one another's faults. We've talked about it in the broadcast before, create a buffer between you and everybody else that you have a relationship with, and that buffer gives them room to make mistakes because they're human. They will make mistakes. Let me just break it to you. Friends, even your closest friends, even your family will make mistakes. Make room for that. Don't get offended. Make room, know that they're human and that they'll make mistakes and walk in love and love them. Love them. It'll help you. Seek sound doctrine. Let the word of God correct you. Be open to correction. <laughs> Denise said, that's right. Got to put your big girl pants on and get over it. That's right. That's right. And so um, you seek sound doctrine. You let the word of God correct you and don't be offended. Don't be offended. Don't be offended. Number three, let's go to Matthew 24. Jesus speaking here. Matthew chapter 24. And... Um, Let's take a look at what Jesus said about the, the last days and what we, can, what we can do to keep ourselves free from this. Listen to this now. Matthew 24, let's start with verse 9 and go to verse 13. Uh, Jesus said, Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated 
by all nations for my name's sake, and then many will fall away. Many will fall away. You see that? And betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. That's happening today. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. You see that? But the one who endures to the end will be saved. All right. What do we do to understand this prophecy? Number one, understand that the world hates you. The world, the, the world and the spirit of this world does not love you. They hate you. You understand, you have the spirit of Christ. They have the spirit of antichrist. It's completely anti. They're against, right? They're against the spirit of Christ. I've explained it this way before. It's interesting. When you get saved, you are, you, you are being placed up on a platform that people have been opposing for centuries, it's not necessarily that they're opposing you. It's that you stepped onto a platform that's being opposed by the spirit of this world. They, Jesus said that they hated me before they hated you. <laughs> of course, of course, they hated Christ before they hated us. But once we got connected to Christ, they hate us too. And so you just got to know that the spirit of this world hates the spirit of Christ. And if you carry the spirit of Christ, People that carry the spirit of Antichrist, especially those that are yielded heavily to it, they will not like you. And people will, why do you think Christians are being persecuted all over the world? For his namesake. That's a prophecy. Christians would be persecuted, delivered up to tribulation all over the world. For his namesake. So number one, understand that the world hates you. Number two in this area, pray fast and study. And stay faithful to church. Pray, fast, study, and stay faithful to church. Pray, fast, study, and stay. That means read your word every day. Pray every day. Fast from time to time. And stay faithful to the house of God. Why? You are training yourself for endurance. That's why. You're training yourself for righteousness. Training yourself to endure to the end. I see Chris uh, is on. Uh, MMA, likes to fight MMA, uh, tough looking guy. I don't think I've ever met Chris, but I've seen pictures of him. I wouldn't mess with Chris, but he's trained himself, trained his body. Paul deals with this in first Corinthians nine, that athletes train their bodies to win a prize or an award. And he said, in the same way, I've got to train my body so that I make it do what it should do, what it ought to do so that I don't get disqualified at the end of my life. So that after having preached to other people, I don't get disqualified. What, what, are you, what are you going to do? Train myself. Train myself. And what are the ways to train yourself? Pray daily. Pray daily. Read the word daily. Can you scroll those for me? Read the word daily. Number three, fast from time to time. And then finally, be faithful to church every single time the doors are open. Don't put things above God's house. Don't, don't, put th don't put vacation above God. Don't put work. I got to work overtime. Don't work overtime during God's time. Travel baseball should not take the place of going to the, to the house of God. Read the word. Pray every day. Fast from time to time. 
Be faithful to the house of God. Give. Win souls. Share your faith. Be actively engaged in the kingdom of God. Actively engaged in the kingdom of God. And this is part of your endurance. Why do I say that? Well, the reason I say that is there are, are really two main things that will keep you from falling into sin. Two main areas that will, according to Scripture. Number one, Jesus said in Matthew 26, verses 40 and 41, He said, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So according to Jesus, if you'll spend time in prayer, and there he was talking about extended prayer. He was upset that they couldn't even spend an hour praying with him. And so he said, um, <clears throat> watch and pray so that you don't enter into temptation. So prayer is one of the elements that will keep you free from sin. Prayer is one of the elements that will keep you free. What did David say? Lord, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So keeping the word of God in you is the second element that will keep you free from sin. Prayer and the word. That's why I push them so hard. And then when you go to church, you're getting more of the word pre preached and taught to you and it's equipping you and it's maturing you. And it'll keep you in endurance, in endurance mode. Keeps you in endurance mode. Stay, he that endures to the end will be saved. This is a race, this is a marathon, it's not a sprint. You gotta last to the end. I'm not falling away, my heart's not gonna grow cold, I'm not going to, um, as the Bible says, uh, become an apostate. Amen. And then finally, look at this, 1 Timothy chapter 4. And this is where I'll finish before I pray for you today. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Verses 1 and 2. 1 Timothy 4, verses 1 and 2. Listen to this now. Now the whole, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation here. Now, the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. These people are hypocrites and liars, and their consciences are dead. These people are hypocrites and liars, consciences are dead. What are they doing? Turning away from the true faith and following deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. Let me tell you, there are teachings that have even come into the body of Christ that I believe are teachings that come from demons, or what the King James calls doctrines of devils. Doctrines of devils. And I've talked about it multiple times. That is why I believe that the hyper grace message and other messages like that are truly doctrines of devils. When you see what they produce, when you see what happens to people that get involved in those doctrines, you see the, the fruit that's produced in their life, you can start to see that doesn't lead you closer to God, doesn't lead you closer to dedication, doesn't lead you closer to endurance, takes you away. I've told you many times on this broadcast, every pastor that I've talked to in traveling that's had church members get involved with that message, it's taken them out of church, it's taken them out of dedication, it's taken them out of faithfulness, it's taken them out of holiness. It's a doctrine of devils. It's demonic. To pull people out of their diligence and dedication to God. 
One of the things you'll hear from people when you, that are in that movement, anytime you start talking about dedication to the kingdom, well, that sounds like works to me, brother. Yes, it is. Because God expects works from his people. Read the book of James. Faith without works is dead being alone. We are not saved by works. We're saved by grace through faith. But once you get saved, there should be some works that accompany your faith. No question about it. We don't get saved by those works, but once we get saved, there better be some works that accompany our salvation. And I'm not talking about works of the law. We're not going back under the law of Moses. It's funny to me, all these people that are involved in this hyper grace message that go off on, you know, you, you guys are just trying to get back into works. Do you see me sacrificing bulls and goats? Do you see me condemning people that are wearing, you know, clothes made out of more than one fabric? Do you see me yelling at people because they've cut the corners of their beard and the temples of their head? That, we're not going back under the law of Moses, but there are works in the New Testament that God expects of his children. Faith without works is dead. The book of James is clear about that. You show me your faith, I'll show you my faith by my works. By my works. See, we're not going back under the law of Moses. We are doing things in diligence and dedication. That's, what, that's all holiness is. All holiness is, is taking actions of obedience to the word of God. That's a work. That is a work. Right? Taking actions of obedience to the word of God. That is a work. Hey, faith. And so we got we to get that in our spirit. God's expecting people to do. It's like, can you imagine being like on a, can you imagine like getting drafted by an NFL team? Be like now, now I'm in the NFL. It's like, you know what? I'm part of the team. I'm already part of the team. I don't need to go to the practices. I don't need to attend the games. I already have a jersey. I'm on the team. No, no. If you're on the team, they expect some works out of you. They expect you to be at practice. They expect you to be at the games. They expect you to be at a certain weight. They, you know, all these things are expected of you because you're on the team. Amen. You don't go to practices to get on the team. You don't play in those games to get on the team. You have to get on the team first. But once you're on the team, you, things are expected of you. It's the same in the body of Christ. Same in the body of Christ. I don't do the works to get saved. In fact, I couldn't even do them if I wanted to because I was dead in trespasses and sins before I got saved. I don't do the works to get on the team. But once I'm on the team, God expects some works. And I'm going to do what the Bible says. And that's obedience. That's diligence. That's endurance. That's endurance. I don't care if you're Reformed or if you're an Arminian. Both, both believe in acts of righteousness until Jesus comes. Both believe that. I believe it. You should believe it. Because the Bible teaches it. And so there are things, you can see it, we're living in those days right now. I mean, we're living in the, false prophets are everywhere, everywhere, false teachers, false doctrines. You can see it, perversions on the, uh, on the rise, corruptions on the rise. That's always been here, but it's rising. Notice what Jesus said, before I return, these things will be like birth pains. Well, you don't, you don't have a baby the first time you have a contraction. The contractions get closer and closer together, right? Until finally, they're so close together that labor's going to start. Jesus said that about his return. He said it'll be like a woman with birth pains, contractions. 
These things have been around for a long time. It's like, not like they've never been here. There's been corruption, there's been violence, there's been wickedness, there's been perversion. All those things have existed. But Jesus said, before I come, they will rise and increase in intensity and in frequency. And when you see that happening, know that my coming is, is near. And that's where we're at today. They have risen in frequency and intensity. And now, as I played that video for you at the beginning of the broadcast, we're seeing it, that they're not even trying to hide it anymore. It's Jesus is coming. We've got to be ready. God's looking for some people who will not back off, who will not be pulled away, that will not slack off, but people that will press in, people that will stay faithful, stay diligent, people that will stand for righteousness, people that will stand for what the Word of God says. Amen. And that's you and that's me. That's the victory tribe. Hallelujah. That's the victory tribe. We will not back off of what the Word of God teaches. We refuse to stumble. We refuse to fall away. Our hearts will not grow cold. We're getting more on fire, not less on fire. We're getting more diligent, not less diligent. We're more dedicated, not less dedicated. We're pressing in for the best. Hallelujah. We're pressing in to please God with our lives. And I want to pray for you today because as we come toward the end of time, Jesus is getting ready to come back. We have to be the remnant of people that are going all out for the kingdom of God. All out. No compromise. That's our cry. No compromise. In fact, I want you to put it in the comments. Last thing. No compromise. Going all out for the kingdom. No compromise in Jesus' name. And so, Father, I pray for every person that's watching this today. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you for the faith that you've put in their heart. Thank you for calling them out of the darkness. I thank you for strengthening them. Thank you for putting the Holy Spirit in them. And now, Lord, I ask you that today the things that we've talked about, the things that are coming from your Spirit, humility, gratefulness, self-control, the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, let these things be evident in our lives. Strengthen us. Give us boldness. Put a fire in our belly to do what you've called us to do. We refuse to compromise. With the spirit of this world, we stand set apart by your Holy Spirit. We give you honor, Lord. We give you praise today. I pray that you do open doors of opportunity for your people. Let this be the greatest close of a year that we've ever had in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you and we give you all the praise today in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm giving you an opportunity here at the end of the broadcast. If you'd like to sow a seed into this ministry, you can go to MiracleWord.com. And you can, uh, whether you want to give by debit or credit card, digital payment, whatever you like to do, however you like to sow, we say thank you for standing with me and Carolyn, believing God that this generation will be shaken before Jesus comes. Just got back from Montana. Tomorrow night, we're in Miami, Florida. And then starting Sunday, we're in Hobart, Indiana. It just keeps on going. You can check out our schedule page. We want to see you in live meetings. If you can make a road trip, it's time to make a road trip. But thank you for sending the gospel to this generation by sowing seeds. You're standing with us and we say thank you for doing that. For everybody that is sowing in the month of September, we want to send to you Dr. Michael Brown's book, Can You Be Gay and Christian? One of the biggest questions in this generation as we're having the LGBTQIA community push back against Christianity. Now there's denominations that are ordaining homosexuals and uh, doing homosexual marriages. This will answer your questions. 
And Dr. Brown does an amazing job of biblically answering this question for this generation. Can you be gay and Christian? That's our gift to you in the month of September for everybody that's sowing seed. If you'd like to receive it after you've sown, go to miracleword.com forward slash offer and let us know where we can send it and we'll send it out to you, get it into your hands. And I want to say thank you for every Victory Tribe member. I can't wait to see you uh, next month at the homecoming. It's going to be great. Cannot wait to hang out, share some things with you for the direction of this ministry. God's doing amazing and big things. And so I'm looking forward to seeing you. I love you so much. Thanks for hanging with me. I'll be with you all week long, Friday, and then we leave Saturday to go to Indiana. And um, it's going to be wonderful. Again, if you can be with us tomorrow night, if you're anywhere in this South Florida area, we'll be at Trinity Church in Miami with Pastors Rich and Robin Wilkerson. And uh, it starts at 7.30 p.m. Would love to see you there. I'll talk to you again in the morning. Have a great one. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.